All right. Well, then I would suggest that we start. I would like to welcome uh, everyone who is watching this, either the recording or is here uh, live. Um, a very warm welcome to our um, workshop, workshop, which is called Whose Salvation Is It Anyways? Uh, it's being uh, presented by Michael Carducci, and he's co-founder of Coming Out Ministries. Michael, before we start, we would like to start off with a, a prayer. Uh, if you want, I would pray quickly, and then uh, we'll follow your uh, presentation. All right. Great. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this afternoon or even morning. Depends on where people are watching right now. Um, may you bless us in this uh, hour or hour and a half. Uh, and touch our hearts and give us a, yeah, a, an encounter with your love and with your saving grace. Be with us, Jesus. Amen. All right. Well, Michael, would you like to, uh, um, would you like to just um, introduce yourself a little to those who might not know you yet? Thank you. Sure. All right, I'm Michael Carducci with Coming Out Ministries, and it's amazing that we are now celebrating our 10th anniversary of being in ministry. Uh, 10 years ago, there were five individuals that got together. Each one of us had our own ministry. We got together and met, and I was shocked because I had no idea that there were other people like me that had walked out of homosexuality and sex addiction and pornography addiction and, and uh, transgenderism. Anyway, there were other people like me that had come back into the church, and we had all met in California at a camp meeting, and we decided, you know, if one voice is good, then imagine the power of five voices. And that's how Coming Out Ministries began. Honestly, I didn't like the name Coming Out Ministries at first. And we used 1 Peter 2.9, meaning coming out of darkness into God's marvelous light. But when you know it took off and we would go to uh, youth meetings and we would go to GYC, as a matter of fact, GYC was our very first event in Seattle, Washington together. And I remember we would walk up to people and they would see our sign and, and they would say, coming out ministries. And they're like, huh? And they would walk away from us and we'd say, hey, you know, do you know anyone who's gay? And they go, no, no, I don't know anyone who's gay. And, you know, as we would start talking to them that we were a biblical ministry, talking about the healing that God can give to the LGBT community, then people started to warm up and they go, oh, you know, one girl who said, no, she didn't know anyone who was gay. She said, my grandfather is gay and he was her her favorite relative, and she started to cry. So Coming Out Ministries has not only had the opportunity to minister to the LGBT community, but now we recognize that this ministry is much larger than just the LGBT issue. We talk about sexual um, sexuality in the church, and the biggest issue right now that's affecting young people and old people in the church is pornography addiction and sex addiction. Um, monogamous adultery is the number one issue that I think people struggle with in academies and in universities. One of our Adventist um, universities was, uh, there was a woman that I was talking to, she's a nurse, and she worked at the local hospital near this Adventist university that also had an Adventist academy. And she said that the number one users of the abortion clinic in her hospital was the Adventist University and the Adventist Academy. 
Oh, that's a heavy pill to swallow, recognizing that sexual sin is rampant among our church. So that's how Coming Out Ministries is here to, you know, unpack this really, really difficult um, topic of sexuality, to do it in a biblical way, to do it in a supportive way. And of course, it's inclusive to the LGBT issue, but it's not limited to that. And 10 years of that, that's what we've been doing for 10 years. If you go to our ministry uh, at comingoutministries.org, we have a documentary called Journey Interrupted, which has been translated into 12 languages. That's like German, Fr Germany, French, uh, Spanish, Portuguese, um, Afrikaans, Thai, uh, Russian, Czech. It's amazing, all the different languages. And all of that was done through volunteers. You can actually watch that video now for free. If you go to comingoutministry.org and look up Journey Interrupted. Um, so anyway, it's an hour-long documentary talking about five individuals whose lives and journeys were interrupted by Jesus Christ. And there's a cliffhanger in the film. It's only an hour long. It won't kill you. Um, but in that hour, it really addresses, I think, the power of choice, power of love, um, and the respect that God has for each one of us. You know, Ravi Zacharias, uh, who just passed away a few weeks ago, he had an amazing quote, and, um, and I think it's really powerful. He said, you know what? God will always respect your right to choose. You always have the right to choose whatever you want. However, you cannot escape the consequences of that choice. And that's a really powerful statement. Um, and that's kind of what Coming Out Ministries is all about. It's about making the choices that you want and respecting them, but also talking about the consequences of those choices. So yeah, that's who Coming Out Ministries is. And today I'm going to be talking about um, whose salvation is it anyway. I guess it really relates to that statement uh, by Ravi Zacharias about God respecting the choices that we make. Um, see, Renee, you look like you're gone. Is it me now? Do you want me to take over? If I don't yes. hear from you, I'll that yes, okay. I am. Right. I am here, still here. Sorry. <laughs> uh, Good to have your support, but I, yeah, yeah, that's all. I'm here. I'm here. And uh, yes, and we will have a Q&A at the end. So if uh, you have questions along the way, along the presentation, just write down your question in the chat. And uh, uh, Michael, I think you'll be very happy to answer them afterwards, right? Yeah, I would. So you can right, just you have the floor. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to take the floor and I'm going to share the screen. And here we go. So I gave you a little introduction to who Coming Out Ministries is. Um, I also want to talk about our newest resource that we have available now, if you go to comingoutministries.org, is Navigating the Storms of Contemporary Sexuality, Identity, and Love. This has been done by my colleague, Ron Woolsey, a, a retired pastor, and it's a great resource to not only uh, recognize how to deal with sexuality in the church, but also the LGBT issue. If you have friends or loved ones that are gay, this is a great resource talking about how do we navigate the storms through a pilot's perspective. It talks about uh, your instrument panels and and trusting your your teacher, your your um, your navigator, and it's really interesting. Talks about the crosswinds and the headwinds and how to land safely. I think it's a really great resource for anyone looking for information about how to navigate their own sexuality or maybe how to interact with other people that may be gay or otherwise. So that's available for you online as well. All right, what I'd like to do is uh, play this video 
clip. It's a friend of a friend of mine. Her name is Ashley. She's adorable. She's a young person. Uh, she's one of our monthly donors for Coming Out Ministries because our travel has been so restricted, which really breaks my heart that I can't actually be with you in person. But what's been incredible is we've had the opportunity to speak at as many as three countries in a day, which, you know, around the world, which we never would have been able to if we had to do that in person. But Coming Out Ministries definitely relies on your personal donations. And um, I just want to share this video clip with you from my friend Ashley. If you believe in the Coming Out Ministries mission and message like I do, then you'd want to support them. I donate to them every month. I just went online and set everything up. It was super simple, super easy, no hassle. And I get to invest in a ministry that I truly believe in, that I truly support. And you have the same opportunity. Uh, as a young woman, it's so important to me where my money goes. And it's not just about investing in a new dress or new shoes or even a gym membership, but it's investing in lives for God's eternal kingdom. So thank you. Isn't she adorable? All right. So if you're if you're interested at all, uh, you can donate at comingoutministries.org. You can set up a monthly donation plan, and it would greatly benefit us. We still are producing resources. Just last week, we had our very first uh, ten year anniversary webinar, and it lasted eight and a half hours. And that resource is available as well, talking about can you pray the gay away and um, entanglement, which was a presentation about porn and sexual addiction. We also have, get this, we have the testimony of a parent who has a daughter that's gay and what that's like from her perspective. Um, I think that that's probably the most powerful presentation that we had that day. And then of course, Pastor Ron gave a presentation about navigating the storms. Those are available. We also have uh, Q and A's at the end, which I think will help to guide conversations. And we have powerful uh, video clips in between and during the intermission that just keep you busy for eight and a half hours if you're interested. Whose salvation is it anyway? Ah, oh, this has really been like first and foremost on my mind ever since March. I was at a lifestyle center and I was getting help myself. And during the time that I was at this lifestyle center, all of a sudden our country shut down and the whole world shut down and you guys shut down a lot sooner than we did. But man, I was shocked and I thought, we're gonna let this virus just shut down the world. Well, they did. And the reality that came across my mind is I thought, wow, this is the fulfillment of scripture. There's no doubt in my mind. And I, and I started to remember, and many of you probably don't remember, um, 20 years ago, and maybe you were just a little kid, when the Twin Towers went down, and I was a hairdresser working in Orlando, Florida. I had just broken off my last relationship with um, a guy that I was involved with for two and a half years. I had just been baptized within that year um, of Adventism, and I knew that this was the Lord letting us know that time was wrapping up. So here we are 20 years later, almost 20 years later. And the same reaction that I had when the Twin Towers went down was the same reaction I had when the world shut down because of the COVID virus. I want to talk about our salvation in a way that I think will challenge some of our thinking and even some of our experiences. You know, um, your parents may have been Adventist and their parents may have been Adventist. And many of us grew up in Adventist homes. And we've been doing this for like four, five, six generations of Adventism. But what does Adventism really mean to you? And most importantly, 
salvation. What does your salvation mean to you? Um, what I want to do is I want to start off with a video clip uh, talking about the uh, the homosexual issue. This is a quick testimony from a man named Beckett Cook, and he's not an Adventist, but his message is very clear, and I think that it aligns perfectly with our message of redemption and restoration, but especially listen to the ending of this video clip where Beckett talks about the decisions that we have to make. I think that you'll find it very interesting. from it 
I was at a, one of the after parties one night and like everyone was dancing and all the people in the fashion world were there and it was like very glamorous and and I just remember just looking out over the sea of people all having the times of their lives and I just felt so empty and dead inside. I was like, I felt so alone and just empty. And about, I think six months later, I was at a coffee shop in Silver Lake. We noticed something very shocking table next to us had just Bibles all over it. And we were kind of fascinated by it, even though it was, to us, it was like the enemy. Um, like those are the people who hate who we are. So, but we were fascinated by them still. So my friend urged me to, to talk to them. And I said, well, what does your church believe about homosexuality? And he said, well, you know, it's a sin. And like, I just stayed and I was like, huh. Okay, that's interesting. And then we talked some more, and then he invited me to his church. Somehow I got, I just, I don't even, I got up the Sunday morning, and the pastor comes out, and he started preaching from Romans chapter 7. And then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit just flooded me. That's when I saw the holiness of God and my sinfulness at the same time. It, it started bawling. It, it was like this mix of, of joy and, and sorrow. Like sorrow over my sin and joy over the fact that I just met the Jesus. In that moment, I knew that God was real. Jesus was real. Heaven was real. Hell was real. Eternal life was real. The Bible was real. I, I just, God was like, this is who I am. This is who you are. You're now in my kingdom. You're now my child. And we now are reconciled and we have a relationship. And I was like, God, you have my whole life. Like, this is it. It's all yours. When I was living that gay life and... Ah, sorry. I can't fix it sexuality you're now my child and I LGBT community when it comes to Christianity and I that that was not who I was this is the issue the deal breaker homosexuality is the deal breaker for the LGBT community when it comes to Christianity. And I felt the same way. People always say, well, isn't it unloving to say that homosexuality is a sin? And I'm like, no, it's unloving to let people spend eternity apart from God. And that's unloving. This life is a vapor. This life is a mist. It's like two seconds long. Eternity is a long time. And whether you believe it or not, we're all going to face Christ on the last day. And we're either going to be under his mercy or under his wrath. That's the bottom line. And whether you believe that or not, that's going to happen. 
that's what's at stake is eternity. That's what's at stake. Do you want just this kind of temporary pleasure right now? Or do you want eternity with God? Do not let this one issue, and I know it's a very powerful, strong issue, but do not let this one issue prevent you from eternity with God. I thought that was amazing. So talking about the COVID virus, in Luke chapter 21 and verse 11, it says, And great earthquakes shall be in diverse places. It says, Famines and pestilences, fearful sights and great signs shall there be from heaven. No doubt in anyone's mind that's been raised as an Adventist, we've heard this verse so many times. And I remember that I was having a conversation in my salon um, a couple of years ago. And I was telling a client that was Catholic, and even though he was Catholic, he, he knew a lot about the Bible. And we were having a discussion, and I brought up this verse, and he said, come on, Mike. He said, really? He said, you know, there have been earthquakes for many years. There have been famines, pestilences. You know, there's been rumors of wars and wars. We've had two world wars, Vietnam and all these others. He says, you're not telling me anything different than, than what's been going on for, you know, several hundred years. He said, tell me one thing. That, that is different right now going on in the world that has never been before. And under my breath, I just prayed and I asked the Holy Spirit to show me. And the Lord brought to my mind um, this comment and I, I just blurted out and I said, well, what about worldwide LGBT uh, marriage and acceptance? And his mouth dropped open and he said, Mike, you're the first person to answer that question, um, you know, with any way that really surprised me or shocked me. And he said, you're absolutely right. We know that as Seventh-day Adventists, we know how it plays out. We know how it ends. We know that Sabbath is going to be under attack. And I think that we wait by and sitting with bated breath. And even if you were alerted at 9-11, I think what happens now is we're like, well, that was 20 years ago. I'm living my life. I'm getting my career. I'm starting my family. You know, it's kind of like on a back burner. And and I believe that we are living in times where God is giving his people special notice or special attention to say, hey, don't take your eyes off of this, you know, and I'm giving you way marks in earth's history to let you know that this is the time to really sort it out where your salvation's at. At this point, I'd like to say another prayer, if you don't mind, to ask for the Holy Spirit's guidance. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity to speak to the um to this youth mission and also to ASI and GYC. I ask, Lord, that you would send your Holy Spirit and use me, Lord, as you see fit. And Lord, speak to us in ways that we need to hear from you so that we can make our election sure. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. And so I have this quote that I got from Great Controversy, which I thought was really exceptional. It's from page 563 and 564. Ellen White says, Satan also works through the forces of nature to gather his harvest of unprepared people. So right there, we know that Satan's going to work through nature and he's going to attack people who are unprepared, unprepared people. 
All right. So keep that in your mind. It says Satan has studied the secrets of nature's laboratory. All right. That is so weird because I get this cartoon image in my mind of Satan with goggles and a lab coat in a laboratory with beakers and flasks um, doing his laboratory. But we know that Ellen White is letting us know that he's studied nature for at least, you know, 6,000 years that we know of. She goes on, she says, he uses all of his power, not just some of it, but all his power to rule over the elements as far as God allows. One accident followed the other in quick succession. It is God who cares for his created beings and protects them from the power of the destroyer. So I want to go back just a little bit. It said, Satan uses all of his powers to rule over the elements, but he can only go as far as God allows. That right there is a promise. That right there is a protection for us as the children of God. And it goes on and it talks about how these events are going to happen one after another. But it is God who cares for his created beings. And I love this part. He protects them from the power of the destroyer. So we are guaranteed and promised protection as we are God's, God's created beings for those of us who follow him. So um, it goes on and it says, but the Christian world has shown contempt for God's law. And I find that interesting because he's not talking about the unchurch. He's not talking about uh, the heathen classes of the world. He's talking about the Christian world. So there are Christians who are showing contempt for God's law. It goes on, it says, the Lord will do exactly what he has declared he will do. He will withdraw his blessings from the earth and remove his protective care. So stopping right there, we know this, that, that the hand of God is removed from the world at the end of time, and we know this. But do you know how many Seventh-day Adventists that I have that panic and freak out when they say that we are not going to have uh, the Holy Spirit to help us? But look at the rest of this quote. It says, he will remove his protective care from those who rebel against his law and who teach and compel others to do so. So he's not talking about his people. He's talking about those who rebel against his law. Satan has power over everyone whom God does not protect in a special way. So there's another promise that God does protect us in a special way, those that keep his law. And Satan has no power over everyone whom God does not protect. So we have the guarantee that during the time of trouble, there will be an element of protection over God's people, even though, of course, it's going to be a very terrible time. While appearing before men as a great physician who can cure all their diseases, Satan will bring about sickness and disasters so that the rich cities are ruined and depopulated. And I think of New York City as one of those examples. I have a colleague and a friend, um, my friend Kezia, who works with Coming Out Ministries, and she's been trapped in Brooklyn since March. And here she is with the COVID virus. And then, of course, the, um, the Black Lives Matter issue was also in her neighborhood. And her panic and anxiety was just rising uh, exponentially with these issues that were happening in her neighborhood, being trapped in her city, not having any yard where she can grow her own food. She was really um, trapped and imprisoned in her condominium uh, there in Brooklyn, New York. And that lets me know that the cities are ruined. There are many businesses that are going out of business that depend and rely on, on that daily traffic and restaurants and stores and things like that that have been shut down because of the COVID virus. This is a fulfillment of this very quote. She says, already he is in business in accidents and disasters at sea and on land, in large fires, in huge cyclones and terrible storms. 
floods, tides, and earthquakes in all places and in countless forms, Satan exercises his power. He sweeps away ripening crops with famine and misery as a result. He adds to the air a deadly component and thousands perish through it. These hauntings will become more and more common and more devastating. <clears throat> I'm not trying to shock you. I'm just trying to wake you up. And for those of us that have fallen asleep, those of us who have kind of minimized the effects of a Bible prophecy, I just want to alert you that, you know what? She had her finger on the pulse. She knew exactly what was going on. I was just in Thailand in January. I saw the the Asian people, you know, walking around with their mask and thinking to myself, you know, wow, you know, that what an inconvenience and, and seeing the effectiveness of uh, how they try to protect themselves from the diseases. Then of course I come back to the United States and I live in the state of Tennessee. And then all of a sudden I find out that Tennessee, uh, not one, but two cities have almost been destroyed because of the tornadoes that came through them. And then of course I have friends that were in the Adventist community in Paradise, California. The image on the left is showing the streets are actually on fire as the people are evacuating through these streets. That the fire was so devastating within eight hours, it had destroyed almost a thousand uh, different buildings and different homes. I've heard stories of people just running in these streets and their pants were actually catching on fire because they're running through the streets that were on fire trying to get away from the devastation of this, of, of this terrible storm. Brothers and sisters, if you're not aware of it before, you definitely should be aware of it now that we truly are living in days of, that I have never seen. I turn 60 next month. And honestly, in the 60 small years that I've lived according to this earth's history, I've never seen the events that I've seen more recently. The last crisis, 9-11. And I remember 9-11, I was working as a hairdresser in my salon, and there I was cutting hair. And I came into work, and one of the hairdressers that I worked with, she said, Mike, there was a, a plane that ran into the World Trade Center. And I thought, oh, it was probably like a little Cessna that kind of bounced off that building. It was so huge and ominous. And back in the 80s, I actually was able to go to the top of the World Trade Tower, and I could see how huge this building is. And I thought, there's just no way, you know, that anything, you know, was was to the magnitude of what happened, happened. And then as we turned on the television to watch the news, all of a sudden we saw the second airplane hit the next building. And we realized that it was not a little Cessna plane, that it was actually this huge airliner. And then of course the events of that day started to unfold about how the Pentagon was bombed and how another plane was shot down. All of this going on and here I am cutting hair, thinking to myself, is Orlando, I was living in Orlando at the time, is Orlando on, this, on the list of cities to be you know, bombed? And then it became aware, uh, apparent to me that in the Bible, it talks about how when uh, the, um, the abomination of desolation hits, and they were talking about the Roman soldiers coming around the city of Jerusalem, the problem wasn't uh, to get in the city, the problem was to get out. And that when the abomination of desolation became apparent, what happened is everybody living in the cities that hadn't left the cities, they were trapped in the cities and they couldn't get out. Women were even eating their own children to try to survive before the Romans attacked and just plundered all of the people living there. And that just hit me that day back in 2001 the 9-11 crisis. And I went and studied with my Bible study group. And we went over this very quote from the Testimonies, Volume 9 on page 11. Isn't that interesting? 9-11. So that was like shocking to me. But listen to this quote. We are living in the time of the end. 
the fast fulfilling signs of the times declare that the coming of Christ is near at hand. The days in which we live are solemn and important. The spirit of God is gradually but surely being withdrawn from the earth. Plagues and judgments are already falling upon the despisers of the grace of God. The calamities by land and sea, the unsettled state of society, the alarms of war are pretentious. They forecast approaching events of the greatest magnitude. Brothers and sisters, when I stop and think about what has happened in the last 20 years, did you know that Sweden has had gay rights and, and Holland for over 20 years? And I remember when I was there in Holland three years ago, I came up out of the parking garage and saw the Protestant church completely covered in the gay flag right there in the middle of the town square. And the people that I was with, they would said, oh yeah, they've been doing that for years. And so even for them, it was not the biggest shock to them as it was to me because that was the first time that I'd seen that. But in the 20 years since the, uh, the World Trade Center was bombed and destroyed, we now have gay legislation and gay marriage, which is being legalized around the world. It's hitting in countries that are even considered very conservative, like um, Colombia and Peru and South America and Brazil and other countries around the world, in Australia, New Zealand, and especially in Africa now. It's huge on the ballots, even though Africa was always considered to be a state that was very much against homosexuality, even to the point of abuse and murder. And yet here, this is what we've seen in the time since the World Trade Center was bombed up until the time of where we're living here with the COVID virus. So I want to point that out, that these are really serious times. This is not a, la a little issue. It goes on to the quote and says, the agencies of evil are combining their forces and consolidating. That's frightening. They are strengthening for the last great crisis. So we haven't even seen the last great crisis yet. Great changes are soon to take place in our world. And the final movements will be fast ones, rapid ones. Luke 17, 26 to 27. Let me take it back to the scriptures. And it says, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the son and man. They ate, they drank, they married. They were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. That's a rather graphic and grim um, experience about what's going to happen at the end of time. And certainly it seems that we haven't gotten to that point. However, we do know that these are the issues that we're dealing with today. We're eating, we're drinking, uh, we're giving into marriage. And isn't it interesting that they were given in marriage talking, is it possible that they were referring even to gay marriage? Because they were talking about the men, how they married wives, but then they were talking about giving into marriage, not knowing, or maybe not, not us not knowing, that this has an application even for the gay marriage, that marriage is under attack. The twin institutions that were established at creation of course, was marriage, and marriage is now under attack. The new definition, it can be polygamy, it can be pedophilia, it can be whatever you want it to be. Now that we've broken down the boundaries of what marriage is between one man and one woman, these are the issues that we're seeing in the world today. It goes on in 28, says, likewise also, as it was in the days of Lot, they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. I want to talk about some of the things that I've recently seen. As a matter of fact, I was just at a wedding. Um, and as I was at this wedding to celebrate this Adventist couple, 
at the reception, I was shocked to see some of the behaviors going on. And I thought to myself, am I really at an Adventist wedding? I really had to check myself and remind myself because I've been to many weddings. And as a hairdresser, I, I've been to probably a hundred weddings or more in my career. And as I'm sitting there, I thought to myself, with all of the dancing and, and even some of the conversations that were going on, talking about the sexual situation of the bride and the groom from the toast from the brothers of the bride was shocking to me. And if I was the father or even a family member, I would have been totally offensive. And at one point, I had no choice but to get up and leave when the dancing started and the music was nothing but worldly music. And I don't say this as a prude because trust me, I spent 20 years in that culture. I spent 20 years in in the gay bars and dancing the night away and coming out of all that as an alcoholic and drinking. And this is what I'm seeing that's being brought into Adventism now, when at a time when we're supposed to be vigilant and sober, this is the time when I see that we're breaking down the principles of what Adventism was meant to be. I see alcohol drinking coming into the church. And, you know, as far as the world goes, there's nothing that is banned. The world is definitely experiencing everything. But what's really shocking is to see that when we have so much light and when we know that we are living in these really difficult times, that we are surrendering the principles of Adventism. And at a time when we should be sober and vigilant, it's a time when I see that there's this blatant, um, denial and walking away from these very principles that really um, began the church over 150 years ago. Philippians 2 verse 12 says, Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. While I was putting this presentation together, you know, I wanted that quote, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. But then when I read the rest of the verse before that, I see this as a principle and as a discipline that each one of us that profess to be uh, Christians that follow after Jesus Christ, listen to this, wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, and we understand what that means. We understand that that's talking about the principles, keeping the Sabbath, the Ten Commandments, but go ahead and look at ahead and it says, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, meaning that do you keep the principles when you're not being watched? as much as when you are in public. And I think of, you know, friends of mine that, that, you know, take off their jewelry when they come to church or, you know, they, they come to church every week, but they go out to the clubs on Saturday night or Friday night and they end up in church um, living this double standard. And I think that God's principle is very clear here. He says, it's not just that you do it in, in public, but are these principles important to you in private as well? And I know that that comes with conviction for everyone. And even I'm under conviction, the things that I watch on the internet, the things that I find is entertaining. Am I willing to hold up the principle when I know that other people or when you're not watching as well as when I am in public? Because you know what? This is not your parents' religion. This has to be your experience. This has to be something that you're committed to. Otherwise, your parents' experience isn't gonna save you. We can't hold on to the shirt tails of our parents and think that we're going to make it to heaven 
because of their experience or how they taught us. Many times I see Christians or, or Adventist young people come to me and just say, you know what, I was baptized when I was 10 or 12 years old, and yet I've never had an experience with Jesus Christ. And you know what, I tell them, I said, that's what I would pray for, not to pray for you know, the, the principles of Adventism, but that you would have an experience with Jesus Christ. And many times Adventist young people will say, well, Mike, you know, if I lived like you, if I lived this decadent life, well, I experienced all of these horrible things in life and then came to Jesus, my experience would be more real. But you know what? I've always been a good person. I never experienced what you've been through. And so I really question my own salvation because I don't believe that I had that experience with Jesus Christ. And the problem isn't that they didn't live a decadent life to understand the difference. The problem is, is that they need an experience with Jesus Christ. And my, my conversation to them, my advice to them is to pray for that, is to pray for an experience with Christ. An intimate relationship with Jesus Christ is what is going to make the difference. And you don't have to be a, a profligate like me to experience that every person can experience that and i say lord it's got to be beneficial to not go into the world and experience all these things it's got to be beneficial to raise your children to know the principles and to have a relationship with jesus christ but we've got to take it more than just the rules it's not about just following the rules the rules are there but it's the heart service that goes with it that makes a difference Romans chapter 14 and verse 5 says this. It says, let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. I can't make it any more plain than that. Unless you have your own experience with Jesus Christ, you are not going to make it to heaven. It is not heterosexual people that go to heaven. It is not virgins that go to heaven. It's redeemed people that go to heaven. It's people that have an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you find yourself in a situation where you question your own experience with Christ, your own relationship with Jesus, then now's the time to really start answering or asking yourself these really difficult questions. Where am I in my intimate relationship with Jesus Christ? Is he my savior or is he an acquaintance? And is he my parents' religion? And you know what? God respects that. And he wants more than just your obedience. I remember I said yesterday in, in um, one of the presentations that I was talking about um, how as a child, even though I was baptized at 15 years old as a Seventh-day Adventist, I feared God because I didn't know him. And I, I obeyed God, not because I loved him, but because I was afraid of him. And I thought that God was like my dad. All of that had to be changed. The Lord had to address that in a way where I knew that what he wanted wasn't just my obedience. He wanted my heart service. And I think that many of us struggle with this understanding today. It's like, it's like how can I have an intimate relationship with God and this not just be a relationship of convenience or tradition? And, you know, there's a lot of people that are fighting for traditional Adventism when they're not wanting to keep the law, like they have a smorgasbord. It's like, I'll keep this, I'll keep this and I'll keep this, but I don't want this and I don't want this. And they think that that is the fullest expression of Adventism when really it's not the foundation of Adventism. It's really nothing more than the tradition of Adventism. And I want to, um, I want to really question your understanding about that as well. Like, are these traditions that you're comfortable with about Sabbath afternoon hikes and going to church? And yet, is your heart really in it? And are you feasting 
on on your relationship with Jesus on those days, or are you just going through the motion of your experience? I want to tell you a story about my friend Jacques. Jacques is a young man that I met several years ago, and he actually spoke uh, with us at coming or at GYC several years ago. I think it was in Phoenix. And Jacques' story begins, his father was a pastor, his mother was a nurse, and Jacques was a, a good Seventh-day Adventist um, young boy. He was uh, going to an Adventist school. His parents kept a computer in the family room so that they could uh, oversee and, and see what their children were looking at on the internet. So Jacques went to school at second grade. So he was seven years old in second grade. And his best friend brought a piece of pornography that he printed off of his family computer. And he showed that to Jacques. And at that point, Jacques was hooked. Jacques was addicted. And he was addicted to pornography to the point where his parents would go to bed. And even though the computer was in the family room, Jacques would get up and set his alarm for three o'clock in the morning so he could look at pornography on the family computer. This is the addictive drive that Jacques was dealing with. And this was happening probably close to 10 years ago, 15 years ago for Jacques. And yet the statistics of pornography abuse is so much higher now among younger kids. Did you know that only 3% of boys and 17% of girls have never seen pornography? Those are the most frightening statistics that I could possibly discover or come up with. Did you know that 30% of women are actually addicted to pornography? And sadly enough, 80% of men. Did you know that even 67% of Christian pastors are also struggling with a pornography addiction? And so Jacques was telling me in his personal story that when he went to two Adventist universities, he said he never had to pay for sex because there were plenty of girls willing to grant him sex. He said there would be the girl playing her guitar for Vespers on Friday night, and then she'd be sexting and sending pictures of herself topless to his roommate. These are the behaviors that would be common among students in a secular university, but this is the behavior that's going on in our Adventist Christian um, institutions. Jacques eventually um, was selling pot. He got busted. He uh, went into the military where he was also paying for prostitutes and, and pornography, and the Lord touched his heart, and this young man <clears throat> had a conversion experience where he gave his heart to the Lord, and eventually now he has finished his, um, his degree in uh, divinity and he's now working as a pastor. But this is just one story of what's going on in our church today. I want to tell you the story of Kezia. Kezia is one of my colleagues that I work with in Coming Out Ministries. But I met Kezia years ago in Cuba. And there we were on a mission trip. Coming Out Ministries was invited to help participate and to share with Cuba uh, the issue of sexuality and, and biblical sexuality. And there were a lot of people that were compromised there in Cuba. But as we were there ministering, this young woman, she was powerful. She was studying to be an architect. She was giving presentations about the sanctuary service. And, and she was speaking in a different church every night. And so Kezia would be in our worship service every morning. And our worship service were intense. We would have two-hour worship services where we would pray and we would read from this devotional. And then we would start talking about personal experiences, things that were happening in our life. And from my personal experience, talking about um, addiction to pornography, masturbation, sexual sin, and talking about 
how the Lord wanted my heart and talking about how it was only through an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ that I could overcome the sexual addiction. And Kesey would sit there with dark glasses on and she would listen intently. And finally, in the last week of our time there in Cuba, she broke down one day and confessed to the whole entire group that she was struggling with pornography and masturbation. It was a bold move for a young person who was one of our main speakers in a church every night. And we were talking privately and I looked at Kesey and I said, Kesey, I said, don't you know what the Bible says about sexuality? And she looked at me sincerely and she said, no, not really, because nobody's talking about it. She says, the church doesn't talk about it. My mother doesn't talk about it. She goes, all I hear is YouTube and my friends in our youth group. And she was even sexually involved with, um, with men during this time. And I was shocked and my eyes were open when I started to realize that this is a rampant issue in our church. It's not just these two individual stories that I'm shocked by. It's the stories that I hear um, no matter where I go around the world of not just young people, but even older people that are still struggling with pornography, masturbation, sexual acting out, LGBT issues. And these issues are coming in the church. And I believe that the reason why they're not being addressed is because we either don't like the topic or we're too afraid to talk about it, or maybe we personally struggle with some of these issues ourselves. This is where I believe that we have to start having communication to not only address the issue, but to offer people overcoming victory in the area of sexuality, because the devil is specifically using this issue that we refuse to talk about as the issue to take down our, our young people and our members. Listen to this quote from Testimonies on Sexual Behavior, Adultery, and Divorce. On page 81, it says, The power and influence of God's law are roundabout, but not within the soul, renewing it to true holiness. Therefore, the Lord sends his appeals to them to urge upon them to practice what is right. It goes on, it says, The appeals of his spirit are neglected and rejected. The barriers are broken down and the soul is weak and for want of moral force to overcome is polluted and debased. They're binding themselves up in bundles as kindling, ready to be consumed at the last day. Brothers and sisters, it's important to know that the things that you're looking at on the internet, the things that you're partaking of, these are the things that are disrupting and destroying your very relationship with Jesus Christ. I was speaking to a, a young man and, um, Ironically, he, he happened to be at the same uh, restaurant that I was at in Florida. I don't even live in Florida. I happened to be there. And at three o'clock in the afternoon, I was hungry and went to Burger King for their veggie burger. And as I stepped in there, there was this young man who I had seen at a, at a GYC youth conference in, in Houston, Texas. And he sat down with me. We started to talk. And this young man shared with me that he was interacting sexually with other men. He had this app on his phone where he, he could actually connect sexually with men. And he opened up his backpack and showed me that he had three condoms in his backpack ready to go at any time. As I sat there with this young man, he cried out that he wanted a better relationship with God, that he wanted victory over his sexual issues. And as I prayed with him that day, I asked him if he would have the strength to allow me to take this app off of his phone. I asked him if he had the strength to throw away those condoms. And 
there is a part that we have to play. We have to recognize, number one, what sin is. And then number two is we have to comply with the principles that God has put into his word. By beholding, we do become changed. And we do become changed by the things that we look at, by the things that we participate in. And sexual sin above any other sin is so binding because it connects not only the physical, but the spiritual and the mental. You cannot do anything sexual without involving these three components. And God was very clear in Genesis chapter two, when he said that the two become one flesh. And that's when we do it God's way. But did you know that in first Corinthians chapter six and verse 16, it says, don't you know that when you have sex with a prostitute, that the two become one flesh. What happens is the dopamine that's released in the back of the brain when you have a sexual release, it glues you, it bonds you to whatever you were connecting with sexually, and it creates this addiction. It creates this drive to want to repeat that situation. That's why sex with your boyfriend or girlfriend is so strong. That's why these, these um, apps are so difficult to get rid of. That's why pornography is so pervasive in our society and in our church, because it binds you to these things. Is there an Aiken in the camp? And is that Aiken in the camp because of what we're looking at on our internets, on our tablets, on our cell phones? And I wanna to go to Joshua 7 and verses 10 and 11. And the Lord said unto Joshua, get up. Why are you lying on your face? Israel has sinned and they've also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. For they have even taken up the accursed thing and, have, and are, have stolen and dissembled also, and they have put it even among their own stuff. Brothers and sisters, what's in your tent? And what I mean by that is what's in your phone? What are the apps that you're accessing? What are the pictures and the images that you're collecting? What are the, uh, the uh, websites that you're going to? And is there an Aiken in the camp? Are we hiding these things in our tent? We look good on the outside. Well, what are we doing in private? Are they honorable? What are the issues that you're looking at on YouTube, on TikTok, and some of these other apps that are so pervasive today with pornography and sexual themes? Even general television now has gay themes, sexual themes, talking about masturbation and other things, and doing it in such a comical way that it breaks down the very moral fiber of our being. And so that when we're exposed to spiritual things, that our hearts are not open to receive them. And we find ourselves listless in our spiritual experience. I want to read to you this quote from Testimonies on Sexual Behavior, Adultery, and Divorce, page 84. It talks about Satan's repetitious plot. And here we have it from the prophet of the Lord over 100 years ago. She tells us exactly what we're going to be dealing with at the end of time. And yet the church still continues to refuse and to neglect even addressing this issue. This is what she says. Near the close of this earth's history, Satan will work with how much? All his powers in the same manner and with the same temptations wherewith he tempted ancient Israel just before their entering the land of promise. He will lay snares for those who claim to keep the commandments of God and who are almost on the borders of the heavenly Canaan. He will use his powers to their utmost in order to entrap souls and to take God's professed people upon their weakest points. Those who have not brought the lower passions into subjection to the higher powers of their being, those who have allowed their minds to flow in a channel of carnal indulgence of the baser passions, Satan is determined to destroy with his temptations, to pollute their souls with licentiousness. 
here we have it. We know that the same way that, that the devil took out the children of Israel just as they were entering the Canaan land is the same thing that God's, that the enemy, Satan, is going to do to the people of God as we are standing on the banks of the heavenly Canaan land. He's talking about us. He's talking about our generation. The, the uh, telephone and tablet and computer age has only really burst onto the scene in the 80s. And now here we are. Here we are, so addicted and so controlled by the, by the internet um, society that pornography is so rampant that even children are being exposed at a rapid age. If we know that this is the end time issue, that means that we have got to be more diligent and vigilant against how the enemy attacks us. Covenant Eyes is one of the ways of finding accountability, covenanteyes.com. If you go to covenanteyes.com and use the promo code COMSAFE, you'll actually get a discount on your annual subscription. And Covenant Eyes is what many of my colleagues and I use to find accountability on all of our devices. It doesn't, it's not foolproof. It won't guarantee that you'll never see pornography, but it's a great way if you're sincere and genuine about your walk with Jesus Christ. It's a way to protect yourself, to still be on the internet and to still be able to access things, to do it safely and to keep from tunneling out of control. Trust me, I know as somebody who had a pornography addiction, Covenant Eyes is really valuable because it gives you accountability. It has on-screen accountability so that that um, they actually give a report to your accountability partner. And if they find that there's something that you're looking at that's questionable, it'll alert a warning to help you. It won't keep you from it, but it can help you to stay away from pornography. Another accountability software is AccountableToYou.com. This is one of our colleague. Um, his name is Harrison Umanya, who is our international uh, colleague, and he overcame pornography addiction and also um, premarital sex issues and um, pornography and masturbation. And this is the accountability software that he uses, accountabletoyou.com. And if you are looking for something to give you accountability, this is one of them, or these are two examples. Jesus is coming soon. This is what every Adventist has been saying for time immemorial. As a matter of fact, my sister who's an Adventist was in her church in Florida, and there's a woman there that's in her 90s. And she said to my sister this, she said, I've been saying Jesus is coming soon for almost 100 years. And she said, so have my parents and so have the people that I heard before that is that we've been saying Jesus is coming soon. Jesus is coming soon. And she said, now with the pandemic and everything that's happening in our world with LGBT legislation and gay rights and the gay movement, she said, Jesus is not coming soon. She said, I'm not saying that anymore. She said, Jesus is playing coming. And my sister said that her mouth um, just dropped open when she started to realize the impact of what this woman was saying. We have to make sure that our eyes are open. We have to wake up and see the signs of the times. I want to close with 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and 2 to 11. It says, For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they shall say, Peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. Brothers and sisters, are we asleep in our religion? Are we asleep and ignoring the warnings because we've heard them for so long? We need to recognize, we have to realize that the time is short, 
And as that young man said in that video that this life is a vapor, it's just a mist and very soon it's all going to be over. What are we making the priorities of our life now? And as a woman travails in childbirth, what that means is her, um, her contractions start off very small and minimal. And they happen like every several hours. But as, as the labor process increases, the contractions become stronger and they become more intense and they become more frequent until she finally delivers her child. And that's what we are seeing in our Earth's history today and in the events upon the Earth. Verses four to six, but you brothers are not in darkness that the day should overtake you as a thief. You are children of the light and children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. And how can we watch and be sober? By getting involved in ministry items, getting involved with getting the word out. Did you know that by helping other people, you help yourself? by making sure that instead of spending our time idly looking at YouTube and other videos and things like that on the internet, we should be actively laboring for the souls of other. And what that does is that helps to keep us in check on our own salvation. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others. We are children of the light and light has to do with illumination. And we want to break down the, the issues of darkness, which is the lies and deception that are being fed to the world today. Going on in seven and eight, for they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love for a helmet, the hope of salvation. Now's the time when our Christian courtesy needs to shine the brightest, the breastplate of faith and love, faith in God, love for God and love for other people. As we demonstrate the Jesus that we work for, this is not the time to bash people over the head with the gospel. Instead, it's the time to demonstrate with the COVID virus going on and the restrictions. Now's the time to show people that we might be in crisis, but we are not. We are not. Um, worried and anxious about the future. We know exactly what's happening. We have to show that love and concern and confidence in the word of God that we're going to make it through this. Verses 9 to 11 says, For God has not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. Our salvation we obtain through Jesus. He died for us. And because he died for us, whether we wake or sleep, that we should live together with him. Not just, not just a knowledge of who he is, but a relationship with him. That's the covenant. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together. Isn't that nice? The lady just shut off her lawnmower as she got right by my door. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also you do. This is the most important point that I want to make. It's time to comfort each other and to lift each other up even as you also do. So this is the command for us to know that as we are living in these end times, as we are living in the days to the end, now's the time to comfort each other, to work and to show during the daylight that we have, the time that we have for influence. The Bibles are flying off of the, um, the shelves in the stores, even though I know that pornography has increased. And I'm telling you now that, that this is the time when God is looking to seal his saints and we know that the time that we're living in is towards the end. Living by principle. And this is uh, written in 1898. 
says Satan will not be slow in presenting to the repentant. Uh oh, hang on, I can't read it. Oops, I have to move this. Satan will not be slow in presenting to the repentant soul suggestions and difficulty to weaken faith and destroy courage. He has manifold temptations that he can send trooping into the mind, one in succession of another. But Christians must not study their emotions and give way to their feelings, or they will soon entertain the evil guest, doubt, and become entangled in the perplexities of despair. Expel the suggestions of the enemy by contemplating the matchless depth of your Savior's love. And so, brothers and sisters, I want to implore you again that this is not the time to give up your religion. This is not your, the time to give in to the pressures of society. This is the time now to really draw close to our Savior. Let's pray. Lord, it's sobering to, to see the devastation of what um, life is doing and what's going on in our world today. But Lord, it's even more devastating when we think about what's going on in our heart, in our own lives, in our own personal lives. Lord, help us. You have to send us help, and you have already sent us help in your son. He delivered us 2,000 years ago by what he accomplished on this earth, and we are entitled to that today. Lord, the only thing stopping us from receiving the strength that you have provided is our unwillingness to accept it. Lord, speaking from myself, Lord, again, each and every day I have to be converted. Each and every day I have to recognize that your strength is made perfect in my weakness. And so I pray, Father, that, that this presentation will have spoken to somebody today and that they will find you and seek you and claim the power, Lord, that you provided. Bless us, Lord. May your kingdom be full is my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen.